to come. And Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, reading from verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee and he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus begins that public ministry, and he begins to call his mission team together. He knows that he's going to lay down his life for the world and it's going to bring a new creation into being for the whole world. I find it amazing that by the time Jesus begins to preach and teach, it's about two and a half years before he will die. Just two and a half years. That's about 30 months. That's about 912 days. To complete his earthly mission, to call, choose, train his mission team who will lead his church across the world, even from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And who does he choose? He chooses people like you and me. Men and women like you and me. I guess he could have chosen anyone. Luke tells us in his gospel he spent a whole night in prayer before he called the twelve disciples, the apostles together. And anyone looking at his choice would have probably thought an unimpressive dirty dozen listed in the Gospels. They include several fishermen, a tax collector, a religious extremist. Yet he calls them. He chooses Simon. A volatile disciple who would be one moment inspired to speak for God and the next moment totally misunderstand what Jesus is saying and and actually speak up for the devil. A strong man in himself, sometimes yet exposed and crumbles before a servant girl. He chooses James and John and he calls them the sons of thunder. They were hot tempered. These were disciples who would want to call fire down on anyone who who rejected them. He chose 11 despised Galileans, such as Thomas the Doubter, who wouldn't believe unless he saw it. Nathaniel the cynic, can anything good come out of Nazareth? In fact, the only respectable Judean southerner was Judas Iscariot from Kerioth in Judea. And Jesus knew that he would lose him, that he would choose to betray Jesus. All this tells us that no one is too weak. For Jesus. No one is too inadequate. For Jesus. No one is too hot tempered. For Jesus to use. In fact. If you read through some of the uh, New Testament teaching. It's only if you're too strong. That you can't be used by Jesus. 
So if we're feeling weak, and I tell you what, I felt really weak this week. I was looking at a blank sheet of paper. What am I going to share with wonderful people on Sunday morning? I've got a blank sheet of paper. You don't know the sort of panics I have, do you? (laughs) Write something, Phil. Lord. The Bible says that he chooses the weak things to shame the strong. He chooses the foolish things to shame the wise. In fact, Jesus told the Apostle Paul, my power is made perfect in weakness. I referred to Gideon earlier in the Old Testament who had that low self-esteem. In fact, God says he cannot work through people who think they are strong. Because they think they have no need of God's help and strength. So Jesus didn't recruit an impressive group of rabbis from the elite in Jerusalem, but a motley group of Galileans who just knew that without Jesus, they could do no nothing. Without Jesus, they couldn't do anything. But they were disciples who, when it got tough, and the crowds were beginning to leave Jesus because it was getting too tough. And Jesus said, do you want to leave too? They said, where where are we going to go? It's all about you, Jesus. You have the words of eternal life. So if these are just the kind of people Jesus loves to use, the encouragement is this, that they're just like you and me. Jesus can use you and he can use me. And we've all got different gifts and we want to see all those gifts shared, raised up, developed, exercised. We are people of weakness, but that is great soil for God's kingdom. Because God sees the potential in us. And he knows it's there, because he put it there, in all of us. He looked at Simon and he saw a rock. He looked at Nathaniel the cynic and he saw a heart of faith. He looked at fishermen and I'm always amazed that these fishermen, I'm sure they did have times when they caught lots of fish, but whenever you read in the New Testament, they don't catch anything. And he says, you're going to catch people from now on. He saw them fixing their nets and he knew he could use them to fix up broken people. And what they all had in common is that they were willing to respond to Jesus. Willing to follow Jesus. Willing to trust Jesus. Willing to go for Jesus anywhere at any cost. Some left their nets behind. Matthew left his tax booth behind. He'd stopped serving the Roman emperor and went to work for the king of kings. And the Lord of Lords, the true, perfect Israel, God himself, Jesus. And they heard that simple call of God on their lives, come follow me. Have you heard it? Have you heard that call of Jesus on your life, come follow me? It may have been years ago. 
It may just be happening right now. But that's what Jesus says. He says, come follow me. Come do life with me. Sometimes the call of Jesus comes slowly. Starting like a a faint murmur and growing until we cannot ignore it anymore. And we respond to Jesus. Other times it comes suddenly and dramatically. However it comes. We know that Jesus is calling us because he has chosen us. To follow him, to serve him, to offer him what we have. And if you think you haven't got much to offer, he is just saying, that's brilliant. That's enough. I can do. I can work with that. How do we know that we're called and we're chosen? Well, Jesus says so. He calls you. If you are a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus this morning, you will know that you didn't choose him. He chose you. Even if at the moment you thought you chose him, you realize actually he chose you. It's one of those funny things that happens when you become a follower of Jesus. You just realize actually he was calling you for ages beforehand. He'd chosen you. Even if you're here this morning and you're not a believer in Jesus yet, You're here because he's chosen you. You are not here by accident. You are not sitting in Chipping Camden School main hall on the 3rd of February for no reason. You are here because God has called you. God has chosen you. He has a plan for your life. Or maybe you're sitting there and said, well, I thought he had a plan for my life, but I, I either blew it or... I don't know what he's doing. Well, it's time to just renew that trust again. Imagine if Jesus had told the disciples what was going to happen. If he told them it all, what was all going to happen? And then he said, follow me. They would have gone, oh my word, I'm not not sure. (laughs) Isn't it great that he doesn't tell us? And even if you think you've blown it, the wonderful thing about this meal that we have before us is the reset button, isn't it? Where we say, yeah, I may have blown it once, but I'm coming back to Jesus. And I'm going to go for Jesus. Where I am, wherever he places, whatever he calls me to do, and whether I'm successful or not successful, whether I'm exalted or laid low, I will follow you, Jesus, because you're worth it. He calls us to be with him. He doesn't just call us to make a decision. Although that's a good thing to do, to make a decision to follow Jesus. He doesn't call us just to declare our faith, maybe in baptism. But it is important, if you've not been baptized as a believer, it is the next step for you to declare that publicly and say, yeah, I'm going to live my life for Jesus. But it's that following of Jesus day in Day out. He has called us to be with him, to walk with him from this earth into eternity. There's a wonderful translation in um, the Message Bible of, of Matthew. Jesus saying, come to me, all who are burdened, weary, 
And he says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And maybe we have to recapture that. You know that when the disciples were arrested and put on trial, they were described as unschooled, ordinary people, yet they were described as, and noticeably described as people who had spent time with Jesus. And they were filled with Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. Keep asking every day. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. If someone ever offers to pray with you, just say, yeah, please ask that I be filled again with the Holy Spirit. So however we feel about ourselves when we embark on a year of mission as a church, if we feel weak, inadequate, talentless, a failure, you're not alone. And God can use each one of us. God sees through all that and he sees you as you are, child of God with unlimited potential. And he promises us his Holy Spirit to help us. So this morning, remember that he chose you. And he still chooses you now. And we can do far more together than we can on our own. I'm really looking forward to this year of mission opportunities, but a bit daunted myself. But I know that God is going to be at work. So whether we set aside to join in the 24-7 prayer or we're already encouraging people that we know that there's going to be amazing things coming up that we'd love them to come and explore about Jesus. Next week, Ed was going to talk about how we might share our faith simply and take that courage and boldness to do that. But today, just to know that realization that we are chosen by God, we are loved by him, and he is with us in it all. Should we pray together?